0: No chip, no Davis, no problem, probably. Do not adjust your radio or preferred digital listening device. This is the voice of me, producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and as the saying goes, the show must go on. Hope you brought your appetite because we're talking beef this morning. Live via Farm Journal broadcast from South Bend, which has a river that bends to the east and is located in northern Indiana in the Midwest. This is AgriTalk. This morning we'll have conversations with Clint Walensiak, VP of Product Services at Certified Angus Beef, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady, and Mark Gardner of Gardner Angus Ranch. And now, the guest host of this morning's AgriTalk, direct from Drovers, Greg Henderson. Greg, how are you doing? Hello, Greg. Well, It didn't take long, but we finally have our first glitch of the morning. I don't know what's going on with Greg, but he is definitely connected. All right, in any case, well, I'm just going to get right to the news then while we try to figure out at the same time what's going on with Greg over there. Uh, Last night, the Senate approved the continuing resolution with 87 voting for and 11 against This includes an extension of the 2018 Farm Bill through September of next year, plus offsetting funding from USDA's Biorefinery, Renewable Chemical, and Bio-Based Product Manufacturing Assistance Program. U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping met at the APEC Summit to address various economic, trade, and geopolitical issues. Some of the items brought up by the U.S. include China limiting the export of chemicals used to make fentanyl and human rights issues. Israeli forces have seized control of Gaza's Al-Shifa Hospital and claim to have found weapons, technological equipment, and a Hamas command center in the MRI building. Meanwhile, Ukraine has been advancing towards Crimea, taking a foothold on Dnipro River's east bank. The state of New Hampshire will remain the first host of the presidential primary. Voters in the Granite State will head to the polls on January 23rd. Good for them. They just cut down on the political ad season. The rural Main Street economy slumps to lowest level in three years. This is based on the Rural Main Street uh, index done at uh, Creighton University. Some of the November 2023 survey results... For a third straight month, the overall Rural Main Street Index sank below growth neutral to a three-year low. Banker economic confidence dropped to its lowest level since inflation of the survey in 2006. For the first time since January of this year, the checking deposit index advanced above growth neutral. For the fifth time in the past six months, farm equipment sales declined. Approximately 84.5% of bankers urged the Federal Reserve to make no changes to interest rates at its next meetings on December 2012 and 13th. The cost of Thanksgiving dinner down slightly from record high in 2022. The American Farm Bureau Federation's 38th annual survey provides a snapshot of the average cost of this year's Classic Holiday Feast for $10, which is $61.17 or less than $6.20 per person. This is a 4.5% decrease from last year's record high average of $64.05, but a Thanksgiving meal is still 25% higher than it was in 2019, which highlights the impact of high supply costs and inflation have had on food prices since before the pandemic. Now, that is all I have for the news, and I have to see what is going on over here with uh, Greg Henderson. Greg, can you hear me? I can, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for being our host today. Uh, How are things over at Drover's?
1: Well, absolutely. Um, glad to be here, Joe. And Trovers. is—you uh, know—we're—we're we're, uh, doing great, and looking forward to this uh, uh, rainy weekend that's coming into Kansas City. And uh, we're behind a little bit, so we could use the moisture. But uh, uh,
0: maybe it'll clear off for Thanksgiving. All right. Yeah, that'd be nice of course for the holidays, but I don't begrudge the rain whenever it comes anymore since I've been working here at uh, Farm Journal, I hear how important it is to all of our farmers and ranchers absolutely. of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, um you uh you've been uh, working on a story about uh retail beef prices in Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely, Joe. So, uh, you're talk about the the Thanksgiving dinner uh, decrease in price a little bit and, and inflation and that kind of falls into uh, the subjects we're going to cover today on on agri talk but meat prices have accelerated in october climbing four percent over last year in the cpi index and the overall food index rose three percent now that's uh in relationship to core inflation which increased four percent over a year ago during october And and so in October, we saw that low inflation in combination with a sharper pullback uh, on volume in the meat case. And uh, meat dollar sales were down about 1.4% during October. And at retail, the industry sold, Joe, $2.4 billion. Mm -hmm. Now, that was up 4% from last year, but down about 3% in uh, total dollars. Mm-hmm. So the other note uh, is that retail beef prices reached an alt, a new all-time high, according to USDA, uh, with the all-fresh beef retail price at $7.94 90, $7. a pound, at $0.69 cents a pound higher than last year, and the highest in 12 months. Wow. And that compares with the total meat price average, that would be all meats, all cuts, of four sixty three dollars per pound.
0: Yeah, so uh, does uh, does the Henderson household uh, have turkey on Thanksgiving? Well, actually, we have at times, but uh, we also have uh,
1: kind of converted to beef in the last few years. Really? Um, yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, w- typically we also have a ham available. Okay. So, um, um Turkey's not a favorite with uh, w-
0: with the older older generation of Hendersons around the table. I see, because you know, I was going to ask you if you did have turkey on say Thanksgiving or Christmas. Do you, do you feel like you're you're being unfaithful to the beef industry at those times? Do you have like a little guilt uh, that you have to kind of say? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not worth so much. It, and it's worth it's, it. It tastes <laughs> so good,
1: <laughs> especially at at, at Christmas. On you know, um, we go with the. Uh, prime rib at christmas and Ooh. that's a tradition at the henderson household so uh i don't feel guilty about uh, no. eating a little um, uh,
0: other products oh, well gosh prime rib on christmas you can't go wrong there all right excellent absolutely and of course to uh read more about what uh, greg is reporting on you can always go to drovers.com correct
1: that's absolutely right thank you
0: Excellent. Thank you, Greg Henderson of Drovers.com. Ordinarily, you'd be done right now, but you're just getting started. And we're going to be along for the ride, folks. So stick around for the conversation Greg will soon have with Clint Walensiak of Certified Angus Beef. You guys are going to be talking about, uh, can you give us a little preview of... uh, Yeah,
1: we're going to talk about uh, beef demand and what the holidays mean and and, uh, how CAB Uh, works with retailers and and, uh, food service to promote their brand and, uh, you know, give us some insight
0: into overall beef demand. Outstanding. That's going to be a good conversation. My mouth's already watering, and every time we talk about anything like beef or pork or turkey or whatever, I'm like, oh, i got to have that for dinner tonight. Anyway, stick around, folks. More of AgriTalk coming up right after this.
1: No matter where home is, Grow Seed is made to perform on your acres. With a proven track record for consistent performance year after year, Grow Seed delivers innovative seed solutions to maximize your local acre. Purchase
2: confidently knowing you have a partner to connect your land with the right seed hybrids and varieties for your local
1: conditions. Book your seed today at your local Nutrient Ag Solutions or visit
3: DynaGrowSeed.com to learn more. Grow Seed, made to perform here. This is Andrew Bucray, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com.
0: Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm
1: grilling up dinner. (laughs) Do you get it?
4: Yes, good job.
1: So, what should I do with all these coals?
4: Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire.
1: I understand. The stakes are high.
4: Ha, 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 ha.
3: Learn more at smokybear.com.
4: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ag Council.
3: AgriTalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre.
5: And welcome back to Agra This
0: is producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, who just remembered to turn himself off at the last minute during the last commercial break. Sorry about that. And uh, with me is our host for today, this morning, Greg Henderson of Drovers. Hello, Greg. Good morning, Joe.
1: And take it away. Yes, Joe, uh, we're excited to have uh, Clint Wellencheck the VP of Product Services at the Certified Angus Beef Program, and Clint, you're in Worcester, Ohio, and welcome to Agritalk.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, I reading the statistics from CAB, you guys had uh, another great year that just wrapped up, and I believe it was the third highest year in sales, and 1.227 billion pounds, and that's uh, the eighth a uh, year of over one billion pounds of CAB products sold, correct?
3: That's correct. Yeah, it's uh, been a pretty exciting year as we wrapped up our physical there at the end of September, and uh, uh, you know, as as you can imagine, the clock rolls back to zero now, so we're uh, already looking into physical twenty four and excited what lies ahead.
1: So, Clint, tell me what does a um, what did you do as the VP of Product Services?
3: Well that's uh, it's a good question. I wonder that myself some days. But uh you know, myself and the team that I work with here directly, uh primarily we work with our packer suppliers. So those those companies and those partners that uh, are actually processing the cattle, uh working with USDA to get them certified into the brand and uh and obviously putting that product in a box and and representing that product's first entry into the marketplace.
1: But you also uh... Deal with retailers and food service people, correct? We do,
3: yep, absolutely. Um, you know, as we think about uh, uh, really just the buying and selling, and and our goal is is ultimately to get as much certified Angus beef product in a box, and maybe more importantly, getting it into the hands of uh, other retail, food service, and export partners. That can really, you know, get it to the consumer and uh, and represent that product as quality product, and obviously uh, from a brand standpoint. So, a lot of interaction with those folks as well. Just, you know, what are the dynamics? What are we seeing in the marketplace um, uh, supply situation, especially right now? As we think about not just uh, today and tomorrow, but really the next twenty four months, what does that look like, and what should they be prepared for?
1: So, Clint, I know that your primary focus is on pushing CAB product, but your interaction with packers, retailers, food service is really why I wanted you on this morning, because I want you to tell me what you're seeing in terms of beef demand. We've, we've seen that it's been, everybody's calling it strong throughout the last couple of years, even with this high inflation, right? So tell us what you're seeing about those consumers that make them keep coming back to beef.
3: Well, excuse me. Well, I think uh, you know long term trend as far as quality goes within the beef industry has um, has really supported the efforts. And I think what we're seeing on the demand side, um, you know, you touched on it there in kind of the opening session uh, about where we're at from an uh, average retail price on beef and some of those things. And the product keeps moving and and that's just super encouraging from our standpoint. To see that even with these uh, these prices where they're at, that we still have people going out there and actively pursuing that eating experience that beef delivers for them. Um, no doubt, we're still going to continue to get pressure from the other proteins, whether that be the holiday here with the ham and, and hams and turkeys, um, or even on just all the other uh, you know fifty to to or so weeks of the year uh, when we've got to have something else on the plate. And so. Um, definitely seeing retailers having to be in a position uh, to manage that. Are they going to put pork, chicken, beef? What are they going to lead with in those retail ads that they put out every week? And what's their motivation? You know, Are they looking to drive gross dollars and units? Are they looking to maximize their percent margin? Uh, or are they just simply looking to drive foot traffic uh, for the entire store, not just the meat case? And so Uh, Lots of things that they're plugging into that decision process. And while we may not win all 52 weeks of the year, um, beef is still holding strong to maintain representation, whether that be the value cuts more, you know, chucking round items and maybe ground beef versus the steaks, uh, keeping that balanced. And then obviously uh, keep it in balance with what the holiday or the seasonal demands may be.
1: Sure. So uh, CAB has been a, leader in 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 giving products new products to consumers i know you in the last couple of years you've started a grass-fed product for instance uh done some other things to help promote uh uh, cab is that where the industry is going are we going to have to continue to uh, evolve to give these consumers new items new products and and is that consumer changed
3: you know, Greg, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, w- I would probably say that uh, for the most part, the foundational components of, of beef products and, and, again, that eating experience that it delivers and so forth, that's where we start. You know, we refer to our traditional product line uh, makes up the lion's share of our total volumes. But uh, as long as we keep that high-quality eating experience front of mind, We also need to keep an eye out, whether it be the natural aspects um, or, as you mentioned, potentially the grass fed component. As long as we can deliver a product uh, that still meets those eating expectations and maybe has some of these other attributes that at least a portion of the of the customer base finds valuable, uh, then we're going to go ahead and pursue those and see if we can check those boxes as well. Um, But really, I think it's still the again, that traditional product line would be what keeps us in the middle of the road.
1: We know the percentage of choice and prime carcasses are increasing. And uh, last year, CAB had 5.8 million carcasses qualify. Um, Do you see that? uh, uh, Let's put it this way. CAB view any problems ahead in getting cattle to qualify?
3: From a qualification standpoint, um, I'm going to give that a soft no. How about that? Okay. Uh, and the reason I say that is I think when we think about the incentives and the signals that the marketplace is putting out there, uh, whether that be to the feeder or the cow-calf sector, uh, you know, those are pretty strong signals that indicate we need more quality. And so whether it be the genetic aspects and breeding decisions and so forth or how those cattle are managed, um, uh, I'm not going to say we have no concern, at least in the short term, because we know in the short term these cattle, you know, the Feeders in particular, they've they've got to manage those cattle to a profit and and follow the mock follow the market signals as they need to, but long term we're pretty optimistic of, at what uh, the supply of of quality beef looks like. So,
1: I, I want to touch on price just a, a a moment, and you're a premium premium quality product. Cab is so is price ever. Um, do you ever see a pushback on price? I mean, consumers want your product and they're willing to pay up for it. And and we know there's 182 million dollars in premiums that were given uh, paid to producers last year. Is is there a price uh, uh, ceiling?
3: I think the short answer to that is is yes. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, everyday uh, prices in the conversation, whether that be just the overall price of a of a given item or in the case of certified Angus beef, the price of those products relative to the commodity market, let's say the commodity choice market, for example, and what those spreads may be. Um, so we definitely we definitely deal with that uh, on a regular basis, again, as all of our partners are trying to maximize their profitability and their overall business.
1: You, you touched on that, uh, that price and the commodity price. Does is that USDA boxed beef price that that's a negotiated price, correct?
3: It would be. Um, And, uh, you know, if you think about or as I think about, you know, how how ultimate prices arrived and let's just let's just limit it to between um, packer processors and that initial wholesale uh, transaction out into the marketplace. Lots and lots of variables that come into play. Um, you know, uh, think about things, for example, on the retail side, how product may be priced to a relatively small or independent retailer that, you know, just a few boxes a week compared to other retailers that are going to be pulling uh, dozens of truckloads of product on a weekly basis. Uh, And some of those mechanisms uh, um, can just vary. But uh, again, back to, to the certified English beef product, particularly, a lot of times it's, 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 it's traded as much on the spread relative to, as you pointed out, that USDA quote, um, you know, a lot of times is it three-day averages, five-day averages, previous week average, things like that, that uh, we often find uh, uh, our customers trading product on under the formula classification.
1: And your customers, uh, retailers, they know what that price is uh, every day.
3: They do. They would follow those USDA reports that are generated through mandatory price reporting. Um, and I think another key component to keep in mind as we think about following those prices every day, uh, sometimes it is to keep that general tone and temperature of what's going on in the market. But a lot of times they're looking at product, uh, you know, 6 to 12 weeks out. And
0: so that's a thing for very advantage. much. Back
3: with more AgriTalk next. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system. From fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on
0: agriculture. And here at Ag Day, agriculture's what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the
2: country experience. <laughs> Ready for our little forest adventure?
0: Yes! Yeah! Go outside, I wanna be.
4: Go, go, so much waiting for me.
3: Yeah, I
2: wanna go
6: outside, I wanna
0: be
1: we're here.
6: Whoa, that was fast.
1: There's a forest closer than you think. Find a park or forest near you and music inspired by nature. Discover theforest.org. brought to you by USDA
0: Forest Service and the Ad Council. Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer. And joining me right now is Brian Grady from Pro Farmer. Hey, Brian, what's going on in the grain stocks?
5: yeah uh so you know the grain markets uh, grain and soy markets under pressure here at uh, mid-morning and uh the bulk of the selling is in soybeans and soy meal uh soy oil as well so the soy complex just facing heavy price pressure here uh, a couple of factors going on first uh rains are moving across central Brazil and expected to continue for the next several days and and, uh, so that's providing some relief from that extended period of of hot and dry that they've seen through these areas. Now whether or not it has a lasting uh, impacts uh, that's yet to be determined and and follow up rains will be needed obviously but uh, for the moment uh, with rains on the radar in in central Brazil uh, price pressure is is pretty heavy in in both soybeans uh, and soy meal. Soybeans trading almost 30 cents low soy meal futures uh, almost $15 lower in the front end of that market the other factor is that uh, crude oil is under heavy pressure uh, trading around $3 lower uh, this morning and that's having a a big impact on soy oil so uh, soy complex like I said is under heavy pressure Uh, that's impacting the corn and wheat markets corn futures uh, about two cents lower Uh, wheat futures anywhere from a nickel lower in spring contracts to uh, about a dime lower in the winter wheat markets
0: all right take us over to the livestock
5: yeah unfortunately the uh selling pressure that we're seeing in the grain and soy markets is is also being felt in cattle futures today so uh we've seen corrective gains uh from the the heavy sell-off that we saw previously uh in the cattle market uh earlier this week but uh um not the case this morning uh facing heavy price pressure and just waiting on cash cattle trade to develop and the cattle on feed report which we'll talk about here in a little bit mile are selling in the hog market
0: all right brian Grady. we'll talk again very soon <coughs> hello man where are you i thought you were coming i can't i'm in bed with the flu <coughs> the flu whoa 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 grandma's about to crouch, sir. Man, I'll
4: call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID 19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at org Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless.
3: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. This is producer Big Apple, Joe Stackler, and we have Greg Henderson of Drovers filling in for Chip today. Hello again Greg. Good morning Joe again. And uh, let us begin first of all I have to do a little house cleaning. I uh, have to apologize to uh, Clint Wallencheck for running out of time and for pronouncing his last name incorrectly. That's it. So I think uh, yeah I think Clint uh, got all of
1: his message in and, and it was good conversations. I learned a lot. Yep me too. I'm sure we're going to learn uh, a lot from Brian as well. Brian, are you with us? I am. Uh, thanks for having me on, Greg. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Great, great to, to be with you guys. Yeah. Um, so the cattle are down today.
5: Yeah, they are, uh, down sharply, like I just mentioned in that previous segment. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been a pretty volatile trade here recently in the, in the cattle market. Uh, we got the heavy liquidation pressure coming out of last month's Catalan feed report. Uh, we're preparing for a Catalan feed report this Friday afternoon. And, and, uh, so kind of been, uh, volatile here, like I mentioned.
1: So we we're expecting those, those placements to be up another six or 7%, correct? And yeah. Yeah, uh, so the
5: Reuters survey, um, that's kind of the one I use typically, uh, it's up 4.9% on the placements, but the top end of the range is up 8%. So, um, you know, that was the number that, that tripped us up and, and caught everybody wrong footed last month uh placements uh in september uh which was in the october report were up 6.1 percent and expecting another hefty increase this month like i said and and uh so we'll have to see if it lives up to the the bearish billing La- last month uh was a surprise uh this month they're, they're going in with much more trepidation and and looking for that uh big increase in placements
1: so, so just Just for us laymen who don't quite understand all of this. So basically, when you see that placement number as high as it was last month, that means that those uh, front end supplies, maybe in in the winter months, are going to be bigger than we anticipated correct
5: A- absolutely so uh the supply side situation in the cattle market is still bullish it's just not as bullish as what it once was thought to be and uh, like you said th- those uh placements uh you know they'll they'll be marketings as we move through the early part of winter or the late part of winter excuse me and um So it looks like early 2024, the supply situation won't be as tight. Now, everything's relative and you got to keep it in perspective. So, um, you know, it, it caught the market by surprise last month. Um, But seasonally, uh, as you all know, this is the time when uh, we should have heavier placements. And the other thing to keep in mind is is that these numbers are based off year ago. And at this time last year is when we started to really um, decline the placements numbers. The feedlot numbers uh, declined year over year. And we had a full year of that, full 12 months. And that ended uh, with the feedlot numbers uh, up just fractionally last month and, and expected to be higher again this month.
1: So can we? I mean, this is an anticipation on your part. I know, but so today's down. You think the market's pricing in that uh, that placement number again before the cattle on feed report?
5: Yeah, I think they're just being cautious, Greg. Um, You know they. Uh, they they don't want to be surprised uh, with a bearish number again. And, and so I, I think that uh, just some trepidation there on their part. Uh, you know, we've had pretty solid uh, corrective gains earlier this week coming off the big uh, liquidation plunge. And, and quite honestly, the downside was overdone. Um, so we needed some of that corrective buying. Uh, but today, uh, everything that's going on in, in the outside markets and everything, it, it just kind of lends itself uh, to being cautious ahead of Friday's report
1: talk a little bit about um the how this is going to impact that potential herd rebuilding that we hoped would begin maybe in 2024 is is, have these numbers set that back another six eight months to a year
5: well uh we definitely haven't held back females and and so um the breeding herd is thin right now um to say the least and and so Uh, We'll be watching for uh, when that occurs, uh, when they start holding heifers back, but they're still moving into feedlots. You know, the other factor um, into the placements right now is that imports from both Canada and Mexico are up on, on the feeder cattle. Uh, So that's driving it. And then the drought, uh, you know, it's just persistent. And and, uh, so um, some of those females that may have been held back uh, for breeding purposes um, have been moved into the feedlots because of those factors. And, and, uh, you know, it's just delaying the cycle. So whether it delays it by six months or eight months or or who knows how long, but it's being pushed back uh, somewhere into the future and, and the distant future at this point.
1: So if we were going to look for a silver lining uh, in this cattle market, especially if you're a cattle feeder, it is that your cost to production or at least your feed costs are lower than they were a year ago
5: absolutely uh you know i think that that's one of the the things that uh, kind of gets lost sometimes uh there's two sides to it there's the the cattle price side and then there's the feed side and and uh, uh the cattle producers know that but the market doesn't always understand that and and uh so th- that's something that that has to be taken into account obviously when you look at these uh cycles and and when they uh contract and and rebuild and, and those types of things so i Everything is kind of pointing at this point to the, the fact that we will start to hold some females back and, and rebuild the breeding herd. Uh, but that those plans have been pushed back. Like I said.
1: Yeah. And, and with the, those, lower feed costs, uh, since this cattle on feed report last month, that feeder price is off, uh, substantially from what it was labor day.
3: Uh,
5: Absolutely yeah and that you know that's uh, of the complex uh, live cattle have been stronger than the feeder cattle. Um, so the, the feeders have backed well off like you mentioned. Um, so you know you'll start to see that uh, um, resonate through the uh, the cash auctions and things. Um, the difference between the feeder cattle and the live cattle is that feeder cattle are cash settled against the index. And and so, um, they have to go where the index goes to. And, and, uh, so that's a cash, uh, driven market, uh, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, driven by, uh, what feeders think that they can, um, hedge those cattle for next spring. And that came down. So those feeder cattle prices had to come down, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that, Everybody talks about penciling it out and and that's
5: what the the feeder cattle guys are are doing and, um, or the, the, uh, finishers are doing, uh, can they, what can they buy the feeders at and, uh, what's it going to cost them to feed them all the way out until they're ready for market and, uh, um, so you you get a lot of the uh, projections moving forward, um, and th- and then you get the breakdown on on weights and and impacts that that has in terms of the uh, placements going into feedlots and how long they'll be on feed before they're ready for market and, and those types of things.
1: So to complicate uh, this these decisions these marketings even more is what's going on in the pork market because uh, you know that's that's our chief competitor I guess uh, pork and poultry obviously but. Um, the pork guys, uh, the feeders have not fared as well as the cattle feeders over the last year.
5: Yeah. And, um, uh, absolutely right. Th- those two markets, uh, while they can support each other, they can also compete against each other. And, uh, so, um, you know, it it's kind of sometimes they work together and sometimes they work in opposite directions. Uh, You know, for a period of time there, the, uh, the hogs uh, were being supported by the, the move up to record highs in the cattle market um, and then cattle backed off and and hogs uh, adjusted. And and now it looks like the hog market's trying to put in an early seasonal low here this fall. Uh, Cattle market is struggling a little bit more um, in recent times and, and, uh, uh, but You know, I I think that uh, as we move forward, uh, we have to keep track of the the retail meat prices and and retail meat prices for beef are record high. Um, Pork is uh, cheaper uh, in relative uh, comparison. And and so um, how that influences demand domestically in particular, uh, when the consumer goes to the meat case uh did do, do they buy beef or do they buy pork and despite the record beef prices uh at the retail level uh we've seen that uh, demand has held up
1: really well um all things considered right so we just uh, the, brian we just saw a, a consumer price index and inflation was about four percent last month um and that that was less than we anticipated is that correct yeah, absolutely. So inflation's coming down. It's still
5: elevated, um, but we've weathered the storm so to speak and and uh I think that from a consumer standpoint right now, um, while we have record retail beef prices, uh the bigger crunch point or or uh, uh pain point is at the the restaurant level um and so you know restaurants uh move a lot of steaks and and steaks are a key component of the beef cutout and and so um, that's something we need to watch moving forward we're moving into the winter months so uh, as the temperatures get colder um, while our steak consumption typically goes down our roast consumption goes up and and uh so that's something I think we need to watch as we move uh, through
1: the winter months here too so I saw a report this morning that talking about the consumers in general and what they're going to spend on Christmas for their family. And it d- despite the inflation and despite, you know, the general consensus that uh, they're struggling, they're, they're going to spend more than they did last year just on general consumer goods.
5: Really? Um, yeah. That, you know, I guess it's... Um... In general, um, the consumer has held up pretty well through in the face of this uh, big inflationary push. And and while we've seen the prices start to come down, like I said, they're still elevated. And and, uh, um, but if if we see the inflation rate continue to decline, um, consumer will continue to spend and and consumer sentiment is is pretty solid. Uh, It's rebounded quite a bit.
1: They seem to be uh, borrowing a lot of money on credit cards to maintain some of the spending, too. Correct.
5: Absolutely. So the, the COVID payments, uh, they, they've dipped into those and, and now they're dipping into their savings and, and running up the credit card debt. And, and so that is a concern as we move forward.
1: Yeah. All right, Brian, I really appreciate it. I, I learned a lot and uh, you explained things in a way that uh, e- even some of us uh, um, hard-headed people can can understand about these markets. I
0: appreciate it. Joe, yeah. we're back to you. Thanks again, Brian. It's great to have you uh, join us for an extended conversation there. We are going to take a break and we will be back with Mark Gardner of Gardner Angus Ranch.
4: The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools, delivering ROI. I'm Margie Eckelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find the Scoop podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail.
3: Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby.
4: You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe and is the
3: best way to protect that legacy. Protect your legacy.
4: Visit ready.gov forward slash plan for the tools and tips you need to start your emergency
3: preparedness plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
5: Hey, I'm Reba McIntyre. Growing up in Oklahoma, I had big dreams of becoming a successful country music singer. But I also knew the odds were against me and that I needed an education to fall back on. Studying never got in the way of my dreams. In fact, school gave me lots of opportunities I wouldn't have had otherwise with my career. Please stay in school and try your best. You never know where a good education might take you. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force.
4: Cancer can feel like something we can't do anything about. But you can. There are screening tests that can catch cancer early when it may be easier to treat begin cervical screening at age 25. At 45, start colorectal and breast screening. At 50, discuss lung screening with a doctor. Find resources for free and low-cost screening at cancer.org slash get screened. This is a public service message from the American Cancer Society.
3: Dr. Sarah Lanine, nutritionist and beef technical consultant with Elanco Animal Health, joins us again. Dr. Lennine, you've shared with us before how the feed supplement Rumensin helps producers improve efficiencies out there. Talk to me about the research backing that up.
6: Rumensin originally came on the market in 1975, so there is a lot of research that's been done over the years on this product. If we look at collectively all the research done in replacement heifers and mature reproducing cows, what is the outcome? And so that drove a project that we did in late 2021. That was a collaboration with Oklahoma State University, University of Arkansas, and ourselves, where we conducted a meta-analysis. We merged independent study findings from every study that we could find on that topic. For replacement heifers, we found remincent improved feed efficiency by 14%. And that was driven by a reduction in intake by 4% and an increased in average daily gain by 5%. So in this case, we are putting more pounds on with less feed resources, and that contributed to the improvement feed efficiency. Now for mature cows, we found a reduction in intake by about 8%. That means over approximately 100 cows, that's 200 pounds per day in feed savings. That was the most recent research on Reminson that really validated what we've known throughout the years, but also was able to give us an excellent tool and a great way to improve feed efficiency.
3: Outstanding. Okay, where do we go for more information?
6: TrustedbyGenerations.com is a great website resource for all kinds of information on Reminson, or you can contact some of your local area sales reps, feed dealers, or nutritionists.
3: Trusted by Generations.com. All right, thank you. Dr. Sarah Lanine, nutritionist and beef technical consultant with Alanco Animal Health.
2: Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit TalkAboutVaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council.
4: There's danger out there. It lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying, and even deadly, is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
3: In the morning, you're coffeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk.
0: Uh, To hear the soothing voice of Davis Michelson sets my fears of doing this show to ease. I don't know if that's the correct sentence, but it'll have to do for now. Anyway, welcome back to AgriTalk. I am Big Apple Joe Stackler, producer, and we are going to continue. We'll be back with Greg Henderson with another conversation coming up. But first, we are going to check out a Yields in the Fields
3: Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Micro Essentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the
6: mighty micro from Mosaic.
0: We are in Jefferson County, southeast Illinois, where we hear that our double-crop soybeans averaged around 40 bushels per acre, which is better than most around here a neighbor's double crop beans yielded only 25 bushels per acre and there we have it yields in the fields back to you greg all right thank you
1: joe um joining me for the final segment this morning is mark gardner uh gardner angus ranch ashland kansas good morning mark good morning greg uh, looking forward to visiting so um I've got you on here to talk about U.S. Cattle Trace, and I know you are a board member uh, for U.S. Cattle Trace. I just uh, you and I just attended the cattle trace meeting in Kansas City. I believe this was either the third or fourth year of the of the uh, organization. Correct? Yes, it is. And you know the the pilot project
2: started the conversations in the fall of two thousand seventeen, and and the uh, the first uh, interim board was formed, and um, later in 2018. But we've been working uh, on what we would call an industry-led initiative to to build a system that works for all segments of the industry. And you know, it's uh, it, it needs to be done, and that's what we're working to do. And we want it to be from the industry, and 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 we design the system.
1: So. Uh, it- Correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea behind it was that it, the industry needs to design it itself rather than having it forced upon them, correct?
2: Very much so. I mean, uh, we just want all segments of the industry to work together to design this system that will work for us rather than a mandate from the government. And, and I think this is so necessary, and we've just come through COVID, and I think we all understand uh, contact tracing a lot better than we used to, and when we think um, the value of cattle at any time in history, let alone uh, where we are today, uh, if we have an incident and we can't trace it back, we're going to have to shut down everything, and I think this offers the opportunity uh, to, to be able to track those animals and, and isolate that area and, and take care of it from there, so we're working on that uh, producer-led uh, system to design that, and we're making progress. It's hard work, but we're getting there.
1: So your cattle are all, um, under the system, correct? Yes, they are. And we, uh, does it, to, how, how does it work? Explain to me, you know, how, how it works.
2: You know, you think about going down the toll booth of, of I-70 in Kansas, for instance, and you've got a, a K tag and it, it reads it. It's it, everything needs to be at the speed of commerce and. And there's different types of EIDs, you know, low frequency um, and high frequency. But if you, it's really as simple, Greg, as, you know, like for us on our bangs vaccination and the EID from our veterinarian, that that gives trace back. So when we sell those cattle or, or they move, uh, they go through a scanner at say a sale barn or they're processed at a. At a packing plant, that that just shows where they are, and many of the feedlots uh, today have those scanners to do. Also, and so it's it's really just that simple as that 15-digit unique USA number that comes in those EIDs um, for us for the heifers. It's uh, it's the bangs button, and we use the uh, the same system to, to identify all of our bulls, and we have to do that now. So when we think back to bangs, you know, the old orange clips, these actually stay in a lot better than those old orange bangs clips and but it, it's really just a button in their ear that, that allows trace back
1: yeah okay and, and u.s cattle trace in, in particular has uh, grown uh, significantly since i've been coming to these meetings and i know this last one was was probably the largest but you've got state cattle organizations like the kansas livestock association and and other state associations that are involved correct Yes. We, we've, we've tried to reach out to everybody and, and um, I won't have
2: this perfectly right, but I believe we have about 15 different uh, state organizations and, and, you know, and we we're working with the whole industry. We had meetings, um, you know, with retailers this, at the meetings up there and we, um, we work with processors and feeders and stalker operators. But uh, I think one of the real opportunities for a state association is to to help be a part of this and and when we think about what we can do to make this better it, it's just being involved and so because we're all in this together whether you have you know i heard it said this week uh, you know bottom down with one animal or, or top down with you know many thousands of animals and i we're making progress but we've still got a lot of work to do
1: so i i, I know at this meeting, they went through an exercise, uh, disease traceability, and and it was really eye opening, um, you know, the differences between the two, uh, and you participated in that exercise, correct?
2: Yes. I was at the Kansas table and, and the, the incident that, of uh, the disease, uh, was located in, in Kansas. And we just went through all the scenarios. And I think, uh, you know I've often heard you don't know how good your plan is until you have to enact it well uh, it's just making people think about that plan And when you look at that and all the what ifs and you know you've got cattle on the road they're coming to XYZ feed yard and, and um, this uh, potential animal has been been sighted at a location let's say in southeastern Kansas. What are the consequences of that And I talking that plan out and the reality of it, um, helps us be better prepared and I yeah. think uh, with the system and what they showed there we can we can actually if, if the animal has those identifications our database uh, was able to, to locate and track that animal with a minute and 23 seconds.
1: Mark thank you very much really appreciate you being on Agritalk.
2: Absolutely thank you Greg and we appreciate the opportunity.
0: All right I want to thank Greg Henderson for stepping in to provide us with some valuable conversations on the beef and cattle industry today. Great job, Greg. Come back this afternoon. We'll have Ted Seifert of Zayner Ag Hedge. And then tomorrow we'll have the free-for-all. They say in the summer, if you listen closely, you can hear the corn grow. But what if micro Essentials, the mighty micro, gave every single solitary stalk the superpower to grow and grow and yield more? MicroEssentials beats commodity fertilizers by packing all the balanced nutrition crops need into a single granule for more uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with MicroEssentials, the mighty micro from Mosaic.
1: Scammers often try to dupe veterans to steal the VA benefits they've earned. Scammers may try to obtain sensitive information or collect payments over the phone, offer to move assets in order to qualify for pension, insist benefits may be sent directly to a friend or caregiver, or promise to manage benefits or file a claim for you. VA will never charge you for processing a claim, and only VA can determine eligibility. To report suspicious activity, visit va.gov forward slash OIG forward
4: slash hotline.